0: Hey Trinity Life, we are finishing out our series called The Mind of Christ. And there's so many other topics we could talk about. There's so many other topics um, that you want to talk about. And we'll talk about those some other time. Uh, And but today uh, we're gonna finish with our last topic. And we're not talking about necessarily a controversial topic. Like we've been dealing with some things in the past or with different interpretations, things like that. Today we're just gonna talk about how to read your Bible. That's something that uh, came up a lot in your sermon content surveys, and it's something we want to help you do um, and, and help you think through. Remember, we're trying to um, trying to help you learn how to think about this. How, how should you approach your Bible? How uh, What should you do to prepare yourself to read the Scriptures? And then when you're in the Scriptures, how do you actually read them? And here's something... Uh, here's something I say that gets people a little angry sometimes um, or upset or I don't know what the emotion is. But um, when someone asks me how to read the Bible, I I say, well, just read it. And they're like, well, what do you mean just read? I'm like, well, have you read your Bible? And they're like, well, no, I haven't. I want to know how to do it. I'm like, well, just try reading it. And guys, here's the key to learning how to read your Bible, you read it over and over and over and over and over again. All right, let's pray. I'm just kidding. That's not all I have for you today. <laughs> but uh, but you have to start there. Like you have to at least try, right? Like I can tell you how to ride a bike, but until you actually get on the bike and try to ride it. You're not gonna be able to do anything. I can say you gotta pedal like this. I can say you gotta try to balance. I can say you gotta um, keep your head up. I can say you gotta hold the handlebars right here. I can do all that. I can even, uh, um, but until you get on, you're not gonna try. And when you get on, that's when I can hold the seat. That's when I can hold the handlebars. That's when I can um, help you. That's what we're doing right now. Um, But I wanna help you, which means you gotta at least be willing to try. You got to be at least willing to get on the bike. So um, start by reading it over and over and over again. If you've never read through the entire Bible, well, that's one that, that's one reason you don't know how to read your Bible, because it's a book, and you have to read the entire thing front to back. Right? We, we, we piecemeal it because it's a bunch of different things, but Uh, different books within one book so you read a little bit here a little bit there you know and i've i've shown you this before but you know most of us spend our the majority of the time reading if you do read your bible you spend the majority of your time in this section this is the new testament right so you compare this to this but even in the New Testament, um, we might take out, like, a few of the books like Philemon or 2nd and 3rd John or <laughs> Titus. You basically do what Thomas Jefferson did in his Bible. He, he literally cut things out, um, but we just ignore them, right? So you take out a little bit here and there. Maybe you don't read 2nd Peter, Jude. Those are kind of weird. Um, you know, you don't understand all the Hebrews. So you take that out. So really, let's take out a few more pages. So really, there's, there's this section. And then maybe you read some psalms, right? So here's some psalms here, right here, right? And and you bounce around in here, um, but you leave the rest of this, um, and then you and then you struggle to read. My suggestion is to start from the beginning, Genesis, because Genesis actually means beginning, right? In the beginning, you start there and you read all the way through to Revelation, and you try doing that. Now. I'm gonna to try to give you some principles today to help you as you do that. Right? It's it's holding the bike for you. It's it's getting you started. Some training wheels, right? It's it's helping you out um, a little bit. These are things that I learned over the years from other people that I learned through just reading the Bible, um, and so I want to hopefully help you do that today, uh, because this is, guys. This is so important to your faith. This is so important to you following Jesus. So if you don't actually know what's in here, you don't know God. Jesus is the word made flesh, right? This is God's interpretation of a history. This is God God's narrative of humanity. And so if you don't know what this says about who you are, and who God is, there's no way you can follow Jesus. You're just blind out there in the darkness. And so, you gotta at least try. And now, yes, even today, there's, you don't, like, I know people struggle with reading today. Like, there's there's audio, you can have, I don't know, probably Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones read the Bible to you, or, I don't know, who else has a good voice, like, um, like, or have someone, have, have someone in your family read it to you, right? Like, um, you just had someone read the Bible to you, uh, read this passage anyways. Um, and there's different, there's different ways to do it. There's apps out there today that help you. Um, if you don't know, if you don't know like what you're doing, um, but again, I encourage if you don't know what you're doing, start at the beginning. Okay. Um, that's going to help you understand the entire story i a lot of people try to get people to start in the gospels and to start with with um john for instance and i'm like geez like if you start with john guys it's not that it's not that that's not a good starting point but it's not the starting point it's not genesis um if you start with john you miss all this like you miss all of that and you don't know what's going on and you're trying to piece it together now, um, I guess there's worse places to start than, than John. Like if you started in Revelation, that would be, that would be worse. Or if you started in, in, I don't know, Jude, you definitely want to get anything. Um, you can get some things out of John, but my recommendation is to start from the beginning. And, uh, and so that way you're going to understand what's going on in the rest of it. Because so, it's like, Going through a tunnel on a train, right, and the light on the train illuminates the rest of the tunnel. That's the Old Testament going in. In my opinion, Deuteronomy, and not just my opinion, a lot of scholars' opinions, Deuteronomy is the gateway. It's the door to the rest of the Bible. So if you've never read Deuteronomy, try reading Deuteronomy. Before you do that, you got to read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. It's the gateway to understand the rest of the scriptures. Jesus quotes it so much. So when you're reading, when you're reading the Gospels and you're reading about Jesus, and he's quoting Deuteronomy, you'll know why. And you know why it's there and what, what's, what the purpose is and you'll know what it means and, and it'll show you so many things. There's so much depth. Guys, you could read the Bible over and over and over again for the rest of your life and not mine the entire depths of the scriptures. There's so much beauty and majesty here. And, and so my hope for you today is that you will see that that you'll desire it, like the psalmist says in Psalm uh, in Psalm 19. He says, ah, "It's sweeter than honey. It's richer than gold." Like he just wants it so much, and he wants the Lord's instruction, and he wants His decrees, and he wants His His law, and he wants His rules. He wants His directives. He he wants his He wants to know who God is, and he says it's better than anything else in this world. And so, my hope for you today is that is that you will see that in the scriptures today. Um, because every time I open this book, guys, my heart smiles. Like, I feel it inside. I'm just like, oh, I just love this so much because it, it's, it's, it's showing me who God is. So, First Corinthians 2. Uh, we're going to go into this passage here, uh, beginning in verse 14. And Paul here talks about two different types of people. The first one, he says in verse 14, is the natural person. He says, this is the person who is not a follower of Jesus. This is the person who is in their flesh, the natural person, right? Uh, He says, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for those things are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So the first thing, guys, uh, let's talk about the natural person. The natural person doesn't have the Spirit of God, you do you or you might i don't know if you do um but if you do you have um a certain leg up in reading the scriptures right because you have the spirit of god in you you have the author telling you how to understand the scriptures right it's a psalmist saying open my eyes lord that i may understand uh the wonders of your word right it's it's um it's the spirit inside us, it's the author. So it's just like any book, if you were to uh, uh, read a um, novel, like uh, a Jane Austen novel, right? It's like having her tell you why she wrote what she wrote and what she means by what she says, right? Instead of trying to figure it out. We have the spirit of Christ to do that. And so the first place we want to start, that, that gives us a leg up from the natural person is the spirit in us um, leads us to humility. He's the author, right? So one of the first things you want to do when you approach the scriptures is to put yourself in a posture of humility. So that's a how. How do you approach the scriptures, right? How does your heart approach the scriptures? A lot of us approach the Bible and we say, God, I want you to speak to me. That's pretty self-serving, actually, If you think about it. Okay. Now we want God to speak, but a lot of times we go to it for God to speak about something because we want to know what to do, or we want to like that can be that can be kind of self-serving. Like just start off with humility and a posture of being with God. Just start there. Posture of being with God. What also gives us a leg up, uh on the natural person because the natural person it's not like they can't read words on a page right but think about if you are a spiritual person and you struggle with reading the bible how much more so a natural person who doesn't have the spirit of god so what gives us a leg up is we have the spirit of god that's called initial well i call it initial illumination okay um I actually wrote a book on the doctrine of illumination. You can go find it somewhere. Like I think 3 people have bought it. Now it's my it's my published dissertation. I wrote on the doctrine of illumination. And so I call I kind of I kind of map out the whole doctrine. So we're going to talk about three different types of illumination today. We're going to talk about initial illumination, progressive illumination, transformative illumination. In order for us to understand the scriptures fully, we need initial illumination that is illumination unto salvation okay that is a spirit drawing us to the father okay so initial illumination is needed we have that right if you're a spiritual person you have that so you can't you can understand the scriptures right that as the reformers say they are perspicuous right we talked about that weeks ago right? The scriptures have a perspicuity, a clarity. We can understand that. Guys, like I said, a nat- the natural person can also understand words on a page, um, but can they understand meaning, right? And, and you're like, well, grammatical meaning, yes, but do they really understand the meaning of the text if it doesn't transform them, right? That's transformative illumination is what I call that as my new concept. Um, it, it has to transform us. It's like James says, um, you know, the one who goes, who goes and looks himself in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like is like the one who reads the word and doesn't do what it says. Like it just sounds ridiculous, right? So it has to actually lead you into a life that's patterned after the life of Jesus Christ. If it doesn't do that, you didn't actually understand what it was saying. You didn't act, maybe you understood the words, but you didn't understand the meaning of what the Bible was trying trying to do in you, in your heart, and in your mind, okay? So he says, the spiritual person understands those things. Verse 15, they judge all things, but is himself judged to be judged by no one. So there's a progressive illumination that happens here. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been initially illuminated unto salvation. But like the psalmist says, we want the Spirit to open our eyes to the wonders of God's law, of his instruction. Right? So there's a progressive illumination there. Think about Ephesians 5.18. Paul says to be filled with the Spirit. He's talking to believers already. But he's saying still be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because we're oftentimes filled with other things. Just go back to the culture uh, session we just had, uh, the, the sermon. So, um, he says we want to fill ourselves with the Spirit of God, right? So be filled. there's a progressive illumination that happens there. So the posture of humility, but when I approach the Word, guys, I, I always try to remember to pray, Spirit, illuminate my heart and my mind. If there's any sin in my heart that is going to prevent me from understanding the Scriptures, God, I confess that to you. I accept your forgiveness. I'm in the blood of Jesus when I, when I come to this book uh, because this is a guaranteed encounter with the presence of God if I can do those things, right? If I, can, if, if, if I can come in the blood of Jesus Christ. So here's the thing, guys. If you're not getting anything out of reading the scriptures, just being in the presence of God or hearing his voice, it's not him. It's you. It's not his heart. It's not his medium. It's your heart. And so that's where the progressive illumination of the Spirit comes in, where we where we pray to God, where we say, God, I need you to help me understand this so that it can transform me. That's the goal here. All right? This, the Bible isn't like, well, Yeah, we kind of treat it as like an encyclopedia answer book. If you guys know what encyclopedias are anymore. Uh, but but an answer book. We treat it... Okay, here we go. We treat it like Google. There's something we can all understand. Google. We treat it like a search engine. What am I talking about encyclopedias for? We talk about... uh, It's like, oh, I'm just going to type in um, uh, the will of God for my life and see what pops up. Well, I'm going to type in... What does God want me to do with this? And we'll see what pops up. Because the Bible is not, is not, it's not designed for that. It's not best understood for that. It's also not a science book. People are like, well, I'll type in uh, creation and evolution and um, uh, dinosaurs. And it's like, no, the Bible isn't a science book. It's not designed for that. The Bible essentially isn't about the what or the how. It's about the why. And if you can understand that, the Bible will help you understand, will help you um, learn how to think, how to discern, how to live. And so you will find those answers as you live out according to the scriptures and this narrative in, in the scriptures. And so, because the Bible doesn't deal with every little thing, Right? It deals with what God's best is for us. It deals with God's pursuit of us. And then in light of those things, we know how to walk as children of light. We know how to be light. We know how to be salt. We know how to honor others. We know what it means to love our enemies and how to do that. We can overcome evil with good. We can bless those who persecute us. We, guys, we can be ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ agents of restoration, all of that. We know how to do that, not because the Bible tells us exactly specific ways to do it, because the Bible gives us a template in how to think about those things in life. So um, this, the natural person and the spiritual person are, are mentioned here. And then he says this in verse 16, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? That's a, that's a pretty big question. Who can do that? Who can understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? You know, basically instruct others, right? Like, who, who can do that? Oh, wait, Paul says, we can. But we have the mind of Christ. You see, he quotes here, he quotes Isaiah chapter 40 here, which is in the Old Covenant, which is when we didn't have the spirit of God dwelling in us. Paul now gives your new covenant reality. Your new covenant reality is that you have the mind of Christ. You now a lot of people would love to quote Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 says, "Oh God, your ways are are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts." Well, if you're the natural person, that's true. But if you're the spiritual person, and not just general spirituality, if you are actually in the spirit, the spirit dwells inside you, you are a spirit person, you have the mind of Christ. God's ways can now be your ways. God's thoughts can now be your thoughts. I love how this Rabbi Abraham Heschel puts it. He says, he says when we pray, we're joining God in his thoughts, his visions, his dreams, like though you can operate in the mind of Christ, and guys, he was a rabbi in the, in the Jewish in, in the in the Jewish tradition, right? So he's not even operating the new covenant. How much more true of that is it for us? There's another. There's a monk who says this. He says, when you pray, when you commune with God, sure, say some things, and then listen to His heart, because that's where you'll find the prayers of God find out what his prayers are find out what his dreams are find out what his desires are for you like and and instead of trying to ask god to give you your desires so here we're in the new covenant and so god's ways can be our ways his thoughts can be our thoughts the law is actually written on our hearts because the spirit of god dwells in us and we have the mind of christ like, how amazing is that so let's talk let's close this out by talking biblical theology Uh, Remember back a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago now, um, we talked about your theological pyramid. We talked about biblical theology. Biblical theology is really what's going to help you understand the scriptures here. So I want you to take time. Again, we're going to give you a minute on screen. Take as long as you need. By pausing it, we're going to take time uh, for your R3 leader. So R3 leader want you to help your your group brainstorm themes that you could potentially trace through the bible so this is another how that's going to help you another lens to help you so there's your posture of humility um there's the there's progressive illumination submitting yourselves to the spirit and and then hopefully that leads to transformative illumination which is actually transforming you to live in the spirit but Um, this is another lens biblical theology so what themes are in the scriptures that you can trace throughout the entire scriptures so for instance you could say well love i can trace the love of god throughout the entire scriptures Uh, just brainstorm the themes right now so we'll give you a minute on screen and and just have fun with that you had a great time doing that hope you guys thought of so many cool things so many awesome themes that you can see in the scriptures the kingdom of god uh the love of god um the messiah uh i mean the mercy of god uh you can trace um covenant right you could you could trace um uh, sacrifice. There's so many beautiful themes you can trace through the entire scriptures. Uh, the Holy Spirit like we talked about. Um, and and just see uh, the, the fatherhood of God. Oh my gosh, I just keep on going on and on. There's so many cool things. So many cool themes. Um, guys, I even like, I've been reading the Gospels through the lens of the theme of leadership and seeing how Jesus leads. So I'm reading the gospel specifically through that lens. I'm not just reading it generally. I've done that in the past uh, multiple times. I'm saying, okay, God help me see specifically Jesus and how you lead and form me through that specific lens, that specific theme. And and so God has been speaking to me in, in fresh, new, different ways than I've seen before and heard from him before. And so that's where the themes can really help. So I'm gonna give you, uh, I'm gonna give you a general basic, like the basic biblical theological framework I'm gonna give you, and then and then I'll give you an example of a theme that we can trace. Okay, and we'll close with that. Um, so the basic biblical theological framework is four parts. That was eight. Four parts. <laughs> is four parts for you. Creation, fall, redemption, and new creation, or sometimes we would call it restoration. Um, This framework is in the scriptures. People have been writing about this framework for a long time. So creation is the first part. So if you think about how this breaks down in your Bible, creation, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, (laughs) just two chapters. Um, Now, of course, we don't want to just cut off there because the whole thing is creation essentially, right? Um, But fall happens and fall enters. So that doesn't mean creation stops, but fall enters, right? Genesis 3, on. Uh, Redemption happens when Jesus dies on the cross. So... Um, Jesus comes, dies, resurrects, Pentecost happens, redemption, right? So so technically if, you, technically, if you look at that, the Gospels are kind of, they're in this Old Testament, Old Covenant era, right? Because the New Covenant doesn't actually happen until Acts. That'll, like, you'll interpret the Gospels in a different way. You'll see them in a different light if you have that in your mind. Um, because we often say, oh, like, the Old Testament's so hard for me. I can't, can't read it. Jesus is pretty much an Old Testament prophet, guys. Um, I mean, he acts like one, he talks like one. That's why the disciples are like, stop talking to us in riddles, Jesus, we can't understand (laughs) you. And he's quoting the Old Testament prophets all the time. John the Baptist is also like this. So, um, uh, new covenant happens. New, uh, uh, sorry, redemption happens. And then new creation, which is kind of revelation, Uh, parts of it uh, are are what closes that out but it's also what the new testament talks about a lot colossians 1 god is reconciling all things to to himself right that's a new creation motif so you have these four part this four part framework uh, for biblical theology for how you should view the text and guys that helps you put everything in its context so oftentimes people say the old testament is all full of god's wrath it's it's god is god there's, there's there's violence all this stuff well, when you put it in the context of fall, right? The fall, sin, and it's leading to redemption and it came from a perfect creation, you see that all those texts, all that narrative is showing us how much we need this redemption. How far we've gone, we've come from this perfect creation. And so when you read those texts and read that narrative, you see a people struggling to live and understand uh, how to live. Again, the beeping. Just ignore. Um, Hopefully we don't need to evacuate. I think we're we're good. Um, You see people, you see these people trying to live and understand who God is and learn who God is while also trying to figure out um, how to be a light to the nation so that redemption can come. Because right, they're called to be a light and a people of God, and they're supposed to be the vehicle to bring the Messiah. And so this is all happening to bring redemption along. That helps you understand it a little bit better. So um, this framework, you can actually fit any theme into any of those four parts as you read the scriptures. So let's just take the Messiah. We already started talking about him, but we're talking about... We have this biblical theology of the Messiah, and so when you read Genesis, for instance, and you're saying, "Okay, where's the Messiah in here?" Well, we see him in creation, right? He's there. We're created in uh, we're created in the image of God, right? So we see there that if things remain perfect, well, we don't need anyone to save us. We're already in a saving. We're we're with God. We're in perfect communion with God, right? But then Genesis three happens. And you have the fall all the way, you know, all the way through to the redemption, to, to redemption in Christ, um, and when that, when that appears. <clears throat> and so in Genesis 3, uh, as early as so the fall happens, and right away, you see the Messiah in Genesis three fifteen. It's called the proto-gospel, um, the early gospel. You, you see it there. There's a prophecy in the consequences for Adam and Eve's sin, there's a, there's a prophetic promise of a rescuer and you can trace that all the way through the scriptures you can trace the seed that word seed all the way through the scriptures and so you have here the messiah and we're searching for that person the whole time through the fall we're searching if you read this is why i say it's so cool to read the scriptures from front to back because you are searching for that person because you recognize in 315 then you're like oh wait oh here's abraham Oh, wait, actually, before that, here's Noah. Is he the guy? Is he the guy who's going to save us? Well, he does save humanity in a sense, but then he gets drunk in his tent, so no, he's not the guy. Oh, wait, here's Abraham. Is he the guy? Oh, God's given him so many promises, a new covenant that he's giving him, the Abrahamic covenant, not the new covenant, but a new one to Abraham. Uh, Abraham's called out of the polytheistic culture to serve, uh, to serve God. And is this the guy? Well, no. He ends up not trusting God in His promise and doing his own thing. Uh, and this happens all through the Scriptures, right? Joseph, Judah, uh, Joshua, Moses, the judges, um, da- Saul, David, Solomon, uh, prophets, kings, on and on and on until you get to Jesus. And it, it, like it's this building of anticipation when you read the scripture like oh man it's building Man, you have all these prophets saying no he's coming he's coming just wait he's coming like keep on preparing keep on searching keep on seeking stop following after the ways of this world stop following after those other gods keep on seeking uh christ keep on seeking the christ the messiah he's coming to save us he's coming to rescue us and then when he finally comes, it's like this culmination in Matthew and he comes, this genealogical thing, and it's so beautiful. And then we start to read about redemption and the Messiah and then new creation and, and all, and we can fit the Messiah into that larger framework. And guys, you can take any one of your themes that you came up with, and probably any one of your themes. I don't know what's on your, I don't know what you guys came up with, but um, any number of themes you can take and you can understand the Bible through that lens. And you can read through the whole Bible with just looking at that with just looking at that uh at that thing at the Messiah or at the kingdom of God and you can do that over and over and over and over again and there's such a beauty and majesty to it because you are actually being with God you're actually in his presence and guys most most times when I read the scriptures I just go to it with being in God's presence. And I don't, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's not like I receive this grand revelation, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. But I receive this molding in my heart. I receive this transformation in my mind and I feel it. I can actually almost feel it physically. Like this this transformation, like, like that truth is now forming me. And then that, leads me in my life and and so guys you cannot experience the abundant life in christ without being in the word of god we have to have that we have to be in it we have to be with god and and you can say well uh, well no i'm not gonna get go down there here's the thing we have access to the word and the word paired with the spirit is what god has given us to walk forward in this life, and so use it. Use the word, use the spirit. We live in a country, we live in a time where we all have access to it freely. You don't even have to buy a Bible. You can download a free app on your phone, right? So make use of it and explore with God because I guarantee you it will lead to the abundant life. You'll experience Jesus in ways that you've never done before, and He wants you there with Him in that space. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that God, you've chosen to spoken to us, to speak to us. That you have spoken to us through your Word. That you gave us this book to show us how to live to show us how to be like you. Thank you that we have this. May we not take it for granted. Help us to just fall in love with you through it. And to just desire your instruction and your words and your formation, your discipline, your rebuke, your teaching, your correcting, your training in righteousness more than money, more than, more than food, more than those things that we think we need. May we, may we not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so thank you, Jesus, for this book. Form us by it as we, as we uh, do so in your spirit. In your name, amen.